Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host at your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 71 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. We're coming to you from the new normal. This I've lost count as to how many of these episodes I've been recording in quarantine, in my home in Wicklow, in my little home studio, which I'm very grateful to have and to be able to do and keep recording this podcast each and every week. Uh, The latest, this is, I think this is week seven, is it week seven or eight of the lockdown for the coronavirus, but we're looking like it's finally going to be easing now in the next couple of months. The country's going to get back on track or start to get back on track and hopefully We won't have to retract to where we are. I hope you're well, wherever you are, you and your family and your loved ones, that you're all at home, that you're all safe. I'm going to start a new thing with, uh, now that we're into episode 71, I was thinking like, what what ways can we keep, continue to improve the podcast? And I should say at the beginning, for those starting, listening to a couple of other podcasts, it's always nice when people say at the beginning what this episode is going to be about before they do their introductions. This episode is another folktale from Brendan Nolan's book on Wicklow folktales that I've adapted. Um, I've called it A Clash of Faith that tells the story of two people of religious beliefs, of a battle of faith between a Catholic and a Protestant. But before we get down to that, I want to thank our patrons, first of all. We've had another couple of new Patreon patrons this week. If you do enjoy this podcast, if it's your first time listening, you're very welcome along. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do continue to like, subscribe, leave ratings, comments wherever you can on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard, all one word, best place to get in touch with me, to message me, or to find out what I'm doing or what the crack is with the podcast. And if you really enjoy it, you can, of course, support it on the Patreon on patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast, all one word. Your support on Patreon, your support for artists, for freelance artists at a time like this has never been more crucial and it never been more appreciated. So any of you that have, particularly in the last month or two, been so kind as to support the podcast, especially when we've all lost out on work and we're all we're all having to reevaluate things uh, your support has been never more appreciated so particular thank you to brian mcglynn martina rafferty and a very generous donation from caitlin quinn 
I want to thank you all so much for that. Those are the most recent ones. Do you add to the other few that are very generously supporting this podcast? So thank you so much. It's never been more appreciated than it is at the moment. But if you're not in a position to uh, support this podcast financially, or if you just don't want to at all and want to listen to it for free, that is totally fine. Again, I get such a kick out of doing this podcast. It's a great pleasure for me to do, and I feel very fortunate that I can do it and that I have the gear to continue to record and release it each and every week, and I'm going to continue to do so. So, hang on, we have a... This is the one... I'm very happy with the gear that I have... (coughs) Beg your pardon. The setup that I have in the home studio here. But it is still just a a room and a house, rather than the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studio in Dublin, which I very much look forward to returning to, because one thing you don't have to contend with is people arriving in cars outside and um, yeah just go on just go on the problem with the yeah anytime you have a good mic this is a good mic but it does tend to pick up absolutely everything I hope the sound of I hope the sound quality has been good for you over these past few weeks I've been happy with the gear I've been using but I am in an unsoundproofed room I'm very fortunate to still have Jamie Reynolds, my producer, still editing this podcast each and every week and making it sound nice and pretty and adding in those lovely crackling sounds and Stefan the story owl hooting in the background. So I'm going to get right down to it now, get down to the story. So this is a story called A Clash of Faith, or at least I've called it A Clash of Faith. I forget actually what they called it in the book itself, but I liked it because the, at best friendly rivalry and at its worst all-out warfare between Catholics and Protestants is one of the most enduring aspects particularly in a more modern Irish sensibility in the last 100 years so it's very much a part of our identity is this ongoing battle between Catholic and Protestant and between British and Irish so I really liked finding a story that not embraced this but that featured this as at its core, and so I quite, I thought this would be a good one to adapt this week. And so I'll let the story speak for it itself, and we'll talk a bit more afterwards. So this is A Clash of Faith on Fireside. A Clash of Faith Ah, Protestants and Catholics. One of the most enduring rivalries in worldwide socio-political history. And in Ireland, that conflict has been the source of everything from contemporary squabbles to frequent all-out bloody warfare. And in a time during the penal laws, the system of laws that restricted all the rights of Catholics in Ireland and gave the Protestants control of land and government, it was all too common for Catholics to work on the land of Protestants as indentured servants. In the Kiltegan area of County Wicklow, there was a man named Kenna. He was a Protestant landowner whose family were proud members of the Orange Order, the secret society formed in 1795 to commemorate the Protestant victory of William of Orange over Catholic King James II at the Battle of the Boyne. The Orange Men are the lads who are fond of sashes and bowler hats and love marching, and to this day still burn effigies of Catholics. Charming lads. 
and the Kenna family of County Wicklow were some of its founding original members. On Kenna's land worked a Catholic named Duffy. No one ever knew Duffy's Christian name. At least Kenna never did. He never had any use for it. He would just order him about by shouting, Duffy! Despite being an indentured Catholic servant at a time when Catholicism in Ireland had been outlawed, Duffy was sure that his faith was the right one. And whatever the immediate cost, Duffy would frequently argue with Kenna about who was right. And Kenna would never just have Duffy removed. He would always engage. For years this went on, the quabbling between Duffy and Kenna, Catholic and Protestant. After a number of years, Kenna had become an old man and lay sick in his bed. His family then decided to not let Duffy visit his old rival, just to not engage in that old argument yet again when Kenna was so unwell. Duffy was allowed to keep his job in the household, but not permitted to wait on Kenna. Duffy understood, although he was a little disappointed. Strange as it may seem, the Catholic felt he was getting through to the Protestant, and soon he felt this theory confirmed. As to everyone's surprise, as Kenna lay dying in bed, he asked to see Duffy, and Duffy alone. The Catholic was brought into the room, and everyone else was asked to leave. As Kenna's confused family exited, Duffy sat on the bed. Kenna then spoke. Duffy, there's twenty pounds here. I want no questions asked. I want you to go and fetch a Catholic priest. Duffy couldn't believe it. He had won. Kenna was repenting his Protestant faith. The Catholic took the money and left the dying Kenna. Now it can't be sure if Duffy made the decision before he even took the money or after he had left the dying man. But what is sure is that the Catholic man never got that priest and kept the money himself. And the next day, Kenna died. You're probably thinking the Catholic won, robbed his Protestant master on his deathbed and lived out his days in the lap of luxury. Well, think again. For not 24 hours after his death, the spirit of Kenna returned from the other world in search of vengeance. A couple of days later, the funeral took place. There was an enormous crowd in attendance, bowler hats and sashes as far as the eye could see. But there was an uneasy feeling in the air. Word had spread around Kiltegan that the spirit of Kenna could not be laid to rest, as he was out there haunting poor Duffy. And even the clergy were inclined to believe it. The Protestant priest, Father Gahan, stood at the altar giving the service. But he could not in good conscience lay a soul to rest that wasn't at rest. So the Protestant minister, in a shocking twist, went to seek counsel from the Catholic parish priest, Father O'Reilly. This, of course, was when it was forbidden to perform Catholic Mass. So Father O'Reilly was considered a bit of an outlaw, doing Mass on the sly, slipping parishioners' communion. I don't know what to do said Father Gahan when he arrived. The soul of a Protestant is out there terrorising the soul of a Catholic. Whatever way you look at it, this isn't good for business. 
The Catholic priest listened to the Protestant before saying, Why don't you just ask the soul why he has returned? He may know. Of course, thought Father Gahan. A great idea. But he was still too afraid to approach the ghost of Kenna, so Father O'Reilly said he would do it. There's little he wouldn't do to pull one over on a Protestant. So that night, Father O'Reilly went to the Kenna estate, to Duffy's house, and waited for the phantom. Soon the spirit of Kenna returned, with a fresh batch of burning clay to throw at his enemy. But Father O'Reilly approached him and said, Spirit, why do you haunt this poor Catholic man even in death? Was it not enough to subjugate him in life? Let your spirit rest. Poor Catholic, replied Kenna. I gave that Fenian git twenty pounds to go and fetch you so that I could convert to Catholicism before my death. He pocketed the money and left me to die a Protestant. This sent shockwaves throughout Kiltegan. All those who had felt sympathy for the poor, haunted Duffy suddenly turned on him. He called himself a Catholic, and yet he had robbed a man looking to convert on his deathbed. Father O'Reilly personally went to Duffy's house to banish him from the community. On what authority, said Duffy to the priest at his door, it's not even legal for you to say mass. That may be, said Father O'Reilly, but for once Catholics and Protestants agree on something. To the Huns, you robbed one of their own. To the Fenians, you left a man looking to convert to die. It's rather impressive. So no, I can't force you to leave. But the community can. You'll look back on a ghost pelting you with burning clay as the Golden Age. And I'll take that twenty pounds off you, thank you very much. And Duffy was banished from Kiltegan and forced to live in exile outside the entire county of Wicklow. He settled in Kilkenny, where he lived the rest of his days. And the twenty pounds? Well, there was some debate as to what should be done with that. The Protestants thought it should be given back to the Kenna family, as it was part of their inheritance. But the Catholics felt differently, and as it had been the Catholic Father O'Reilly who had collected the money, he put it back into the Stop the Persecution and Destruction of the Catholic Religion Fund. Not long after... Duffy died in Kilkenny, but it was his own dying wish to be buried among the Wicklow Hills in his home of Kiltegan. So his body was brought to the border between Carlow and Wicklow and met by a group of Garden County locals. The Wicklow people took the body, but they hadn't forgotten the shame Duffy had brought on them. So just as he had refused Kenna's dying wish, they would deny Duffy's. They buried him there in Carlow, outside his home of Wicklow. But just as the spirit of Kenna came back, so did the ghost of Duffy. And the Catholic ghost didn't even wait the twenty-four hours. He rose from the Carlow ground and went straight in search of the impromptu gravediggers. He found two of them coming out of the pub, pissed drunk on Mountain Dew, and scared the sobriety back into them. I am a Wicklow man, the ghost said, and I must be buried on Wicklow ground tonight. 
Drunk as they were, the two terrified gravediggers grabbed their picks and shovels and rushed to the border of the county, found where they had dug the body and dug Duffy back up. They then loaded the coffin onto a cart and brought it back to Kiltegan and buried him there that night. And the souls of both Kenna and Duffy seemed to finally be at rest. And yet, soon after that, it is said that the rest of the Kenna family, proud Protestants and orange men, each one, soon all converted to Catholicism, at great personal cost and social standing. Perhaps they were honouring Kenna's dying wish, or perhaps the two bickering souls of Duffy and Kenna, Catholic and Protestant, are still at it to this day. The End And that is a clash of faith on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. Nice, nice, different kind of little tale. Just certain elements in it I really liked. I really liked these. Again, this, the dynamic of Catholic and Protestant is endlessly interesting as far as I'm concerned, regardless of which side of the coin you fall on. But what I thought was quite interesting about this is... It's very easy to paint a narrative of Catholic good, Protestant bad. And obviously there's a huge amount of... Um, there there can be a huge amount of truth to that uh, in history. But it isn't. It isn't as black and white as that at all. I give a lot of tours around Dublin. And I always like to point out when I'm at the statues of people like Wolf Tone, it was... Very much it was Protestants Irish who fought back for the Catholic Irish at a time when they themselves had no voice. People like Robert Emmett Wolfe Tone, these were all Protestant men. I mean, Catholics couldn't go to Trinity College until the 1960s, really. Uh, so the narrative of Protestant bad, uh, Catholic good doesn't really hold up at all. It's it's not at all as simple about that. And so what I quite like about this folktale is the circumstances seem to be presented as Protestant bad, Catholic good, because it's the Catholic who's the indentured servant and the Protestant who's the, the landowner. And there's this back and forth between the two of them. And yet it's the Catholic who robs the Protestant on his deathbed. And the story kind of plays into that everyone throws sympathy on the Catholic and God, isn't it? Isn't it terrible that, that you're being haunted by this awful Protestant even in death? But it is the Catholic who has robbed him in the first place. And then there's the other side of it. It's like, was the Catholic right to, considering he'd been an indentured servant, an underpaid, living not even on his own property, um, working for this family his entire life? Should he have been entitled to that? But he also denied a dying man his, his last wish, especially when that wish was for a priest to convert, which is about as low a blow as you can get. And then you have him himself being banished and dying. I love... I love this image of him being forced out of the county of Wicklow. Because, like, those borders of, like, Carlow and Kilkenny and Wicklow, you know, it's not like there's really a a line there, you know. But I love the idea of it being, like, a map that you would literally know the second you stepped out of the county of Wicklow and him being buried outside the county and then coming straight back. These great image of both these ghosts coming back and the idea of them squabbling 
even eternally after life and a great uh, a great PS at the end with the fact that Kenna's family then converted to Catholicism because of course this is just scratching the surface we had a brief mention of the penal laws in the Renteris resurrection as well and this is a story that very much takes place in that time and to give a little bit more background it's not even nearly enough time as much as I'd like to to go into something like the penal laws nor am I in any way qualified to have a huge interest in Irish history but I'd only be giving you false information by pure accident um, but if I did but some of the penal laws included for example that it was uh, if a Catholic landowner it was illegal for Catholics to inherit land so once the penal laws were introduced if a Catholic landowner died his property would always be divided equally among all of his children not go automatically to his eldest child or obviously more usually the son at that time Uh, and this meant that it divided up the land and it meant that you know there was no real landowner to it but the only way to counteract that was if one of the children converted to Protestantism, in which case they would get all of the land. So the penal laws really was this huge, big ethos to try and wipe out Catholicism in Ireland entirely. It was basically, it was Henry VIII's thought, or a thought around the time of Henry VIII, who was kind of the first, like the English occupation of Ireland had been since the time of uh, Henry II, which is the time Normans, that's when the Normans first arrived in Ireland. But Henry VIII was the first king of England and Ireland, rather than just kind of Lord Protector, Protector of the Realm or whatever. So the penal laws were an effort to turn Ireland into second England, basically to just turn it into Britain, into another British Isle by just totally eradicating the Celtic Catholic faith across it. Uh, so of course it's hugely, hugely ripe for um, a huge amount of history and naturally a huge amount of folklore. So it's a very, very interesting, interesting chapter, dark as it is of Irish history. And I do hope I find more stories like this. Um, it is always fun. It's always, you know, as I never, I frequently say I try to stay away from religion in these stories and try and un-Christianize the myths that have been sanitized so much by the Christian scribes who wrote them down but it is also unavoidable like I am not I am not a practicing Catholic myself at all I am um, I would consider myself an atheist but I was still born a Catholic and I believe my Catholic is as much um, my nation as much as anything I would consider it my ethnicity almost that I am uh, and I think a lot of Irish people would feel that way regardless of whether they practice the faith or not and so when you're reading stories like this you're like yeah damn protestants you know even though i don't even believe in the faith myself it's an interesting aspect of of being irish always i find but before i get into any too offensive territory at all i might wrap this up I hope you enjoyed that story, and I hope you're well wherever you are. Thank you again to all my Patreon supporters, and to all of you for listening. Thank you to Alan and Paddy at Headstuff for continuing to put this podcast out. And yeah, if you want to get in touch, can do at Fireside Bard on Instagram, all one word, best place to message me. 
um, you can support the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. If you want to get in touch, I'm loving hearing from you at this time. If I haven't got back to you yet, rest assured I will. I'm not so inundated, but it's great. It's great to be getting your messages and I will get back to each and everyone, I promise. So be safe, be well, wherever you are. And I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.